Well, hello, and welcome to Rockus Bacchus, the Aho edition. Uh, many of you have uh, written letters and uh, memories of uh, for Chief and Michelle and Cassie and Cameron and uh, their extended family um, to have. Uh, Larry, or Chief, has stage four cancer. There is no stage five. And uh, he's really appreciated the letters and uh, memories that you've sent in. But there's no point me telling you all about it. Because we got Chief and Michelle here, and they can tell you about it. Over to you, Chief. Hey, Steve. How's it going, buddy? It's going pretty damn good. <laughs> good. Excellent. Uh, I guess I wanted, and of course, I'd let Michelle talk there, too, before I get, take over the airways. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, you know, this is a phone call as I'm driving, and everybody has heard the stories of, my experience with the cars and driving. So, you know, if I go silent, it's because I'm concentrating. So I don't wreck another one of Lawrence's cars. Chief <laughs> <laughs> should have a so car true. ownership in a scrapyard, I think. Yeah. She definitely put her signature on all the vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> we were, well, you were off the line. She and I were talking and I said, why don't you just, Tell him like he's gonna he's gonna discover these things and knocks in your vehicle. Just tell him right out <laughs> instead of letting him oh, discover you, them. Oh, do you have uh, another one in the vehicle? No, no, no more. <laughs> no, <laughs> I told him everyone. I not, I never keep it from him. It's just you try and make it a little softer, you know, like you know when you scratch the car and you give him a nice little. What do you call those things? Buffer kits or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, not to drag this out, but uh, I did come home from a, a go there once, and I'm out front raking up the grass, and this big Cadillac drives by really slow, just like out of the movies. They, like, they're casing the place, and I'm like kind of watching them. And they go to the end of the street, and they turn around. They come down the street slow again, and I'm just – you know, Where'd like, you what's going on here? And then it stops right in front of her house, and this little old lady come, gets out, and she's walking up to me with this piece of paper as Michelle comes running out. <laughs> it's okay, I got it, I got it. She goes, here's the bill for your wife driving into my car. <laughs> okay, and that's what I was talking about. exactly what's going on here. First off, you got this big, huge tundra. With there is no excuse, box. Michelle. There is no excuse. You have to explain, Michelle. You've already lost. Yeah. And it was only the tire. The tire hit their bumper. I can't, uh, you know, do anything about a bumper that's not made properly. You can't do anything for your reputation either. It's shot. Uh, so if I wasn't home at that particular time, I don't think I would have found out about it. No, well, it wasn't a scratch on our car. It was a scratch on somebody else's. So. <laughs> vehicles and sandbanked boats. Yes. Okay. But you know, this podcast isn't to pick on Michelle. So we can, we can have an <laughs> entire podcast. We don't all have to have it about you. We oh can have God. it about Michelle. That's, that's, yeah. So she's written off, including our house and garage <laughs> and fridge. <laughs> all right. Okay. okay. Michelle, stop talking. You said you weren't going to talk. <laughs> All right, Chief, what you got to say? All right, Steve, you better get us back on track where we're wasting your airways. <laughs> it's all your air, air buddy. 
All right. So, uh, yeah, I guess so. You won't get us back on track. I bet I'll step up here. <laughs> so, you know, Michelle uh, brought it up to you that, you know, of course, I was, we were going through this stuff and she wanted you to reach out to our friends so that they could, um, you know, <laughs> they, they, nice to say. So no one had anything nice to say, so they sent those letters of what they did. <laughs> well, that complete stranger had something nice to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, uh, you know, it was just, it was overwhelming for us. I could not believe the, the amount of wicked people that we are associated with and how uh, easily they reached out to us. And I, I can't tell you what it's like when you're you're going through something like that or finding out that, you know, you have a, a little less time than you anticipated. And these people reach out and give you the support, you know. Of course, they're going to get choked up talking about it because it's such an overwhelming uh, feeling when you have so many good people around you like that. And uh, as some of them point out, it's been years since you've seen them. And it's, and it's like, boom, and it's like, you, you know, you just seen them yesterday and you, you hear their voice and you can talk to them on the phone and you just get right laughing again about the old, <laughs> the good old times. So, um, and even the people that haven't called in but have just called you personally and reached out when they found out the news, you know, has given you a tremendous amount of support. And you, being a guy that never wants to ask anyone for support and help, you know, my whole thought of going to, the reason why I asked Steve about this is because I miss those kitchen table talks. And I, I miss those times that, you know, when you're flying the wall and just having you guys around and then the stories start flying. And that was one of the things that I had hoped that our kids would be able to hear just about the funny times and um, that you guys have all had together and and it's good, clean, hilarious sometimes. Not so clean, fun, but it just <laughs> some of it's sanitized. It's one of those stories that should be remembered, right? Yeah, I I, yeah. I, I definitely can uh, I I, mm-hmm. I can agree with you one hundred percent there, Chief, about the quality of our friends. Many of them who um, we haven't seen in a long time. I know when I got sick and couldn't work, and I started this podcast. I, uh, you know, I jokingly said I'll I'll do a GoFundMe project, and I told Tam, well, maybe I'll get twenty bucks, <laughs> and she laughed. <laughs> and uh, guys I hadn't heard of for years or from for years contributed, and within just over two days, I had it all all done. And we know a lot of the same people have a lot of the same friends, and. Uh, they're definitely they're definitely there for your support if you need them. Oh yes, for sure. you proved that big time there. It, it's funny. One of the persons in your podcast was was stating that you know it's, it's how many people we've kind of associated with, and it's uh, I don't know if it's we if good people attract good people or you are who you hang out with, and um, just you know all that put together and how they come together to. Um, you know, reach out to you. And, and it was humbling for me in the fact that when, you know, over the years that I spoke to you about this is, uh, you know, you'd hear about somebody going through something and uh, I would always be hesitant to reach out to them because, you know, and you'd use the excuse of, well, I don't want to bother them. They're going through this stuff. Like they don't need me you know, having me pry or whatever like that. And when I started going through something and people were reaching out to me, it was, I don't know. It was, um, I don't know. It was, it's, 
help people taking the weight off my shoulder every time they would call or I would listen to your podcast or they'd write us a letter and send us a card in the mail. It was so uplifting to have someone reach out and, you know, you, you felt like there was just one more person supporting you through it, right? And, and the amount of people, you know, COVID's going on, but people have showed up at the house because, as you know, we're going through this massive renovation. We didn't have a kitchen when we found out we were we were going through we were going through this and people would show up with masks on and, and just start helping, you know, and none of, none of us are contractors, but, you know, we just get it up and get it done. And, you know, the, the atmosphere in the house was just incredible to see people come together and, and helping us as they, as they all have. And in fact, we were supposed to have people over uh, starting today again for the weekend, but because of this new COVID uh, hike, um, yeah, we've, uh, We've, uh, you know, talked to everybody and tried to make them not feel guilty. Like, don't come this weekend. You can, it's okay. Relax at home. And but they all mm-hmm. still wanted to come and 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 put on the get get the stuff in and install our windows. We got no windows installed. We got plastic over the windows. And and you know, people are just stepping up, which is just an amazing thing. And it made me feel guilty for not doing it enough in the past, which well, is I think, obviously I think you can sh- put your uh, your guilt on the shelf. Um, because you mentioned what great people uh, you know and that have been coming to help you out. But I think that speaks more to the quality of you than uh, your friends themselves. <laughs> because, you know, you're the kind of stand-up guy who um, will will definitely help you out if, you, if you're in need. Um, well, we always have an open door, that's the thing. And even if we're not, just all I ask is you wash the sheets and do the dishes and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, you don't even do the dishes. Are you just getting them over here to do the dishes? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask him to fold the laundry, right? So, <laughs> yeah, it's fun, funny note on this new house. I put two dishwashers in the kitchen, so that should tell you something. <laughs> uh-huh. It's not me, but definitely. Yeah. Definitely to get back on track. I mean, I've 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 read well all the letters or listened to all the letters, and uh, it, again, it speaks to your your quality as a human being and the decency of you, decency of you. Whether it was to some private that you influenced over the years, <laughs> <laughs> and I and I laugh because I think of. Uh, you bring in some of the troops over to do PT by moving logs or, you know, whatever over to the house and not realizing that's not on. <laughs> but, you know, from the, uh, from the private to, you know, the MWOs and chiefs that, that wrote letters and, uh, you know, people we haven't heard from, from years, um, reaching out and giving you their support. And, and it's, it's heartfelt because you're a great guy. Well, you're a great, great, great family all in all. Yeah. All right. I'll. Uh, uh, well, you can e-transfer the money later. <laughs> Still hoping the GoFundMe. That's how we got to get this podcast. And he said, <laughs> "Actually, I, I got a, another couple bucks from uh, Steve Bedard out of the out of the blue uh, the other day, and I just donated it to uh, uh, Project Trauma. But uh, it's still, well, it, still making money. Yeah, it's great. And you know what, Steve? Steve Bedard, uh, so I wrote down the names of everybody that did a podcast with you or, or sent in a letter there. Yeah. And uh, um, so, and Steve is one of the first persons I wrote down as I listened to your podcast. He was at our house the other day 
you stop by with a mask on, but you know, you and just to check up on us and to make sure that we had everything that we needed and listening to his podcast about back in the day. I don't know if anybody remembers that Steve could do a, a wicked uh, impression of a dirt bike or a snow machine or a yeah, chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't speak English, but he could make all sorts of machine sounds. Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, I told Cameron about this uh, years ago, about this guy I used to work with because Cameron does motocross. And, and uh, of course, when he was over at the house, I was like, you got to show Cameron. So <laughs> Cameron was like, wow, you, you you actually do sound like my dirt bike. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. But, you know, with Steve, uh, you know, one of the things I remember him with back in the field am days is he uh, organized a, a large group of us to go to go back on the plains of Abraham there yeah. to do a 24 hour marathon to raise, raise money that was a great for time. some folks. And, uh, here's a guy, you know, he's naturally fit, but he's such a sociable person. And again, he's, he's putting together the effort to help other people. Like, you know, those, that's the kind of a person that he is that we've been, you know, fortunate enough to be friends with over the years, the old French connection too, with him and <laughs> the other boys there that came to Petawawa that couldn't speak English at the time, but they sure fit in well. Steve, Steve, he was always sharp as a tack and, uh, but yeah, he couldn't speak English or shit, but he picked it up fast. Like he didn't have any choice. Well, yeah, that's right. That's right. Me still working 25 years in the military. I can't speak a word of French. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I can go through a list of these people I just wanted to bring up there. So hey, Erica Engelhart was another yeah, one. Yeah. She talked about the push-ups back in the day when I was a sergeant at uh, Medcoy. And, and uh, it's interesting when you're, when you're uh, responsible for troops and how do you keep them motivated? How do you cut the bullshit off from the higher-ups that come down and uh, and keep people wanting to come to work and, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, with uh, John Busey and uh, Jim Abramchuk, they were our sergeants when we first got to Petawawa. And we did PT constantly. They did our prepare, which was six weeks long. And yeah. we do PT in the morning and at the end of the day. And that's what really brought everybody together was, you know, just pushing the body and doing it together. And uh, when I took over as a sergeant there, I, I wanted to emulate that. So, you know, we'd have morning parade uh, after the parade, you know, before we dismiss them, we'd drop and do uh, 25 and we got to 20. I would ask the same questions as, as Jerome there used to ask <laughs> us back in the guy. day, like, you know, who's your CEO? Uh, yeah, what brigade do you belong to? And, and ask them medical questions, you know, yeah. about trauma while we were holding uh, the push-up position at 20. And then when we found someone got the question finally uh, right, then we finished off or to our 25 and of course one for the born and one for the queen, eh? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then do that at the end of the day. And I enjoyed doing that with them. And if they came to my office, we would do 25 push-ups together. And I carried that on actually when I went to the school and board when I was an MWO yeah. and people look at me like I was nuts initially. But I, was like, I tell you, I used to have Pat come to my office and just knock on the door and say, morning, sir, how you doing? Good. Right on. What can I do for you? Oh, I just thought I'd do 25 push-ups with you. <laughs> and you'd, you'd drop on the carpet and do 25 with them. And they'd leave, the, and uh, another one would be standing out the door there. Oh, hey, sir, can I say good morning to you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Another 25, and then be four guys lining up there. I, I, got, to... I got pretty good at uh, push-ups uh, myself because I used to give up 
un, you have a pocket undone, you want to be a paratrooper, that's 25. Non-paratroopers <laughs> only had to do 20. But I found out that was discriminatory, so everybody had to do 25. <laughs> Anyways, they, <laughs> they, they got smart, and they'd walk past me with a button undone. So as a as a large group, so fuck before you know it, I'm pumping out hundreds hundreds of push-ups by the end of the day. That's right. So it did me better. Than and you know, and you're 100 percent there, Steve. You couldn't, you didn't want to just give people push-ups. You didn't want to say, "You give me 25, and I'll watch you." That's the easiest way to lose respect with your with your folks. And uh, so you always did it with them, right? And and uh, you know, some people would ask me, "Well, why are we doing push-ups at the end of the parade?" And I'm like, "Well, because they're free." Like, <laughs> why not? You know, we can do them. Let's do them together. And by the end of the month, you know, you're all going to double the amount of push-ups that you can do. And PT will just be that much more enjoyable. So, yeah. Hey, did you have yeah, somebody so, else in mind? What's that? Did you have somebody else's letter in mind? Yeah, so I just, uh, yeah, so that was Erica. So thanks very much for bringing that up, Erica. It was good to reminisce about that. Next person I got there is Rick Nolan. He had a great, uh, podcast there went in through a lot of things that we'd done in the past with the parasail and, 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 uh, I also, Rick didn't say it too, but he also invited, he's from Newfoundland, uh, outside of Gander. So, uh, one year, uh, in the summer, he invited me to go back there for a road trip. So, uh, we jumped in car, went back there for, I think two or three weeks, met his family, just an amazing group of people. Uh, his sister owns the local fish plant there. So, you know, we're having barbecued lobster in the evening and, uh, just the most lovely people to hang around with. We went there for the Cabot 500, so it was a really good time. I got a funny story about uh, Rick there. We were, he was living with Murph, Randy Murphy at the time, over when Natalie and him had the house with the pool in the backyard in Petawawa. And uh, we were all over there getting liquored up and doing these dives in the pool. None of us could dive. Maybe Clint Pipe. Clint was the one guy that could do these double back half gainer kind of things in the pool, but yeah. Um, anyway, so Rick goes to jump off the diving board, but he, he does what's called a sailor dive where you, you just keep your hands to the side and then you dive in head first. Ouch. But the, the drawback with it is you don't have your hands out in front of you to kind of, you know, <laughs> cause you to come back up or, or whatever. So he come, when he came to the surface, he just barely poked his head out of the water and he had this big gash on his forehead from hitting the bottom of the pool. And of course we all, we're all go running over, drag him out of the pool. And, you know, there's 10 medics running to their cars, trying to pull out their bed bags out of the trunk, all liquored up. I remember Rick in his dazed and confused, was trying to paw at us, trying to keep us all away with our suture kits because we all wanted to suture him up there on the side of the pool. And he wouldn't let any of us drunk bastards suture him up, thank God, because he would have quite the scar there. Yeah. And uh, we had to take him to the hospital to get some sutures that day. Yeah. <laughs> really good story with Rick there. Um, yeah, so that was Rick. And, uh, so I got Tim Ralph who also did another great podcast with you, sending him a nice letter there. And, uh, I know, and all these guys and girls, you know, just as well as me and uh, Tim, one of the smartest people I've ever known and, and not just have that, um, and pretty smart. Too. Oh yeah, exactly. You don't want to be standing beside him in the bar cause you know, you're not getting anything. No, <laughs> they're all going. They're all going to Tim. Yeah, to um, to to, to uh, distract from uh, Tim, you have to headbutt him or something, so the girls noticed you more or something. 
Yeah, that's right. So here he's got a full head of hair. He's a good-looking guy, and he's smart. Like, you just want to choke him, right? Like you just want to choke him a little bit. <laughs> well, well, you're having sex and, with him because he's just that attractive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and of course, I was fortunate enough. He was our uh, roommate with the, the four of us, Clint Pipe, Randy Murphy, Tim Ralph, and myself. For, I think we were roommates for four years before the first guy moved out, and I think that was... Murph, I can't remember when he hooked up with Natalie there. Um, but yeah, Tim, Tim, when when he's talking, people sit back and they listen to him because he's not wasting his words on something that's not worth saying, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's funny. He used to put people. He could get away with putting people in their place, didn't matter what rank they were. And when he was done talking, they had no recourse for it. It's like you know, you tell an officer where to go, and in the end, they would go. Yeah, I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> he would get away with it, right? Uh, it was it was so good to be around Tim there. You yeah. know, excellent fellow. He came to pet as a, a corporal, and we were all the Noah privates in our first one there. He was the guy that had the money in the house. Yeah, <laughs> and the big stereo in the car. Yeah, that's right. He bought the Trans Am, and uh, he could afford the full bedroom suite where the rest of us. And beer. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just had a mattress in the corner of our rooms. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next person I heard on the podcast was uh, Eric Dion. Yeah. There's a guy who always was positive at work. It didn't matter what we were doing. If we were greasing uh, MLs uh, in the back for two weeks straight or something, he was always positive and jovial at work. I tell you, when you have people like that around you, it's, it's easy to be a leader because no matter – what shit job you have to give them or what you got to do. Um, they take it and they just do it yeah. and they come back to you with a smile and say, yeah, we got her done. What else you got for me? And, and that was Eric. And uh, it was interesting to hear when he signed off that he's a master warrant officer now. And um, geez, when I, when he was a private, couldn't have been more than like 15 years ago. So here's a guy that just shot up the ranks because he's such a pleasure to be around. And, uh, you know, those guys always uh, can get a, a good PER because it's easy to write on them because they're just, you know, they're just performers. Yeah, exactly. So, again, uh, Eric, thanks so much for uh, writing in there. It was really good to hear you, especially when I met you out. I think it was uh, Canadian Tire there in Pembroke. You said the uh, Tractor Supply Store. I don't know, do we have a Tractor Supply Store in Pembroke? Um, no, no, that's no. up the road. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it was Canadian Tire there. It must be the French version for Canadian Tire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and um, Chris Ingersoll was the next one there. So he was uh, Michelle's warrant officer at the dental clinic. Yep. Yeah. Very gentle, gentle, uh, spoken man. Uh, very smart, wise guy as well. Yeah, very. Yeah. yeah. Another tall, uh, slim, good-looking fella there. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, he's, yeah, he he's standing beside you like, okay, short. I'm over here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was actually, was it not him? I, I'm trying to remember the, the person who called me outside. That was him. You, that was him. That was, okay. So when he thought I was in trouble, like, cause he, I was downstairs pouring some, uh, like, uh, models and stuff. And he's like, just drop everything in this thing. And I'm like, if I do this, it's going to just like, this is not going to work. So I thought I was in like, so much trouble and I was like coming out the front and everybody was standing out there and like what's going on and then all of a sudden you show up on this horse and I'm like oh my god <laughs> and then do this huge speech of 
Yeah. Hello, fellow Petawawa civilians or something. I don't know what you said, but oh God, I was just like, I couldn't believe you had full armor and everything on. Crazy. And how did you manage to smuggle a horse on the base when it was in a lockdown situation? Yeah, that was just after 9 11. 9 11, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny. I, I got permission from the base duty officer. I called him up and said, Listen, I'm just bringing the trailer on base. Uh, it'll have a horse on it. I'm just going to kind of present something to my wife with the horse there. And, the, and this, you know, young nice. duty officer is like, Yeah, okay, whatever. There's no problem. <laughs> we, we go through the event that day. And, of course, Chris was instrumental because he had to bring you out at the right time because here I'm offloading this horse in the parking lot at the hospital, and, you know, I'm attracting all sorts of attention. Then before long, the, the word would be out, right, so to kind of ruin the surprise. But uh, no sooner we were done the, the whole presentation, the the base RSM called over. I think it was through Chris. the hell's got this? horse on the base how the hell they get it on there and there better not be any horse shit in the driveway <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i i'm pretty sure chris mentioned that was the first time he met you was when you rode up on the on the horse <laughs> oh yeah but he was instrumental in pulling it off too there just uh, another yeah. another good fella that you know you, you didn't you didn't spend a lot of time because we didn't work directly he was dental but, uh, you know, another great human that just uh, helps you out along the way, right? Yeah, yeah it was nice to hear from him. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so the next person on my list, because it's the way they came up, but I was going to save them until they last, but it's you, Steve, you know. Um, <laughs> and it choked me up because I'm actually talking to you right now. But um, as you know, we've, we found out this uh, news the day before that we were coming up to, planned already to come up to Petawawa to, been the day at your place because we were meeting with our accountant uh, Richard Amion in the morning there. Plug for Richard. And, uh, so, yeah, so we planned to stay with you guys. So of course we went up there having this news and and hasn't haven't told anybody. It's it's not like you want to call and brag. <laughs> to everybody yeah. when you, I won when the you, genetic lottery. Guess what? Yeah, that's right. How are you doing? <laughs> um, so we, you know, you're the first person that we uh, uh, you know we're able to open up and talk to about this stuff and and um, Michelle was uh, you know that's where she wanted you to you know uh, reach out to as many people as you could to uh, do the podcast that you've been doing and you know you've been working on this so tirelessly um, taking in emails and putting it together and and calling people back and, you know, working with us. And it's been so much of your energy to do that. And, you know, every time we say thank you, you're like, no, no, I don't want to hear thank you. I, I'm just doing it because that's the kind of person you are, Steve. And you've always been like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Got to put in some music. I'll have another whiskey out. tasting with uh, Cameron there, even though I was supposed to not be until he was like 19. But hey. <laughs> Yeah, so Cameron's fourteen, and well, oh, Steve's like, well, we gotta have whiskey. So he's showing <laughs> Cameron how to drink whiskey with a drop of water, and uh, it was priceless. We videotaped that, so he, so I think Cameron can show his sister that's be jealous that he got the drink before she did. <laughs> Not to happen again until he's nineteen, no. Yeah, I'm thinking it'll happen again. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, Steve, you and I uh, were in Padawawa right at the beginning there and, and uh, with Hunter Jim and uh, 
and uh, Busey there is our sergeants, and like they pointed out, you know, having all of us put together, it must have been unreal of a challenge for those guys to look after us because we were arrogant and as rude as anybody can think we were back then. <laughs> I think we were cocky. I think the term was cocky. <laughs> well, well, here's a story with Steve. Let me about cocky. So Jackie Flurry, outstanding medic, one of the first paratrooper uh, females that I know of, and. Um, <laughs> She just got the patch. Steve and I were sitting in the airborne office, uh, you know, just (laughs) to chat during the day. And Jackie comes in. She's not a paratrooper yet. Like, she's got to be there like a week or two. It's August. And, uh, yeah, Steve's like, hey, come on in. Have a seat. Relax, you know. And I'm sitting beside him, and I can see him starting to undo his jump knife on his belt there and get it ready in his hand. And he says, come on, take the break off. Have a seat. So we had this tradition in our in the airborne offices of uh, Green Beret was put down on our airborne desk that we would take it and cut it up and pin it up to our wall, which Stop we it. had, I don't know, 20 or 30 of them up nailed to the wall. She didn't notice these. So she takes her bray off. As it hits the desk, her hand is still on it. And Steve <laughs> comes swinging around with his knife and jabs it into her bray and just starts tearing at it with this knife with his other hand. And she's just like, beside herself, like, oh, fall back in her chair. And then she just starts, you know, she gets upset and runs out of the office. And we were just like, oh, right on, you know, hang it, pin it up on the wall. <laughs> and not a care that we just, you know, destroyed her self-esteem and morale. And that's the kind of arrogant bastards we were back then. I think uh, it was August, and she said, now what do I do? Well, wear your toque and go to base clothing and get yourself another break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know she might have came back and said that, but at the time she ran out crying. Oh, she was, yeah, she was pissed off. Yeah, I haven't talked to Jackie since she left Catawba, probably, and that was in the '90s, I think. Um, and she's just uh, she was always an amazing. She actually was on. Uh, we did our fives together and stuff. Uh, just an amazing, amazing person, smart, and uh, you know, she again, she became a paratrooper. Like, there's another person. Um, when you talk about driving the body, when you're a smaller person, you still carry the same weight as somebody else. So here I'm, I'm about 225 now. It was when I was in paratrooper, I was probably 206 uh, foot tall. And, you know, you carry these 100-pound rocks, but that's half my weight. Yeah. And you got someone like Jackie who's like 120 pounds. It's her weight. They're carrying, yeah, 80% of their weight or 90% of their weight and still have to maintain the same pace. That would be the same as me carrying a, you know, a 160 pound rucksack, which I could not do. Can you imagine her trying to keep her weight off the anchor line cable? <laughs> <laughs> yes, she right. barely reached yeah, the probably, anchor line cable. Yeah. One good lucky thing about her though, she probably took forever to hit the ground and it was probably softer than us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a sweeter. Actually, right now, I think she's working as a uh, social worker, helping people that are going through other. So there's another testament to how uh, nice of a person she was. She just, you know, dedicated her life to helping other people. So good good on Jackie. Hopefully she can hear this there. Reach out and say we love her. That's impressive that he's gone that way. Perfect. That was a good bit of news to hear. Yep. 